0: This is The Guardian. Today, the self-styled madman Javier Malay has been sworn in as Argentina's president. What now?
1: Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard.
2: Tens of thousands of people were at the inauguration. They came from all over Argentina, actually all over South America. There were Brazilians, Paraguayans, Venezuelans who I met there. And they started flocking to the plaza outside Congress from 5 or 6 a.m. on Sunday morning. By the time Millet came out to give his first speech to the crowd, the square was absolutely packed with flag waving. There was blue smoke in the air, people banging drums, blowing vozellas. It was a sort of carnival atmosphere.
0: We should, by now, be used to unexpected political victories. To right-wing populists dominating the world stage. To powerful men who insist they are anti-establishment outsiders and the real voice of the people. Enter 53-year-old Javier Millet.
1: are so happy this is a this is a day of freedom we are celebrating freedom we, we couldn't keep the, the, the same path that we were we were going with, uh, with a lot of public spending and a lot of, of taxes so we are celebrating freedom what are you free from free from government control and from this casta you know this group of people that live off from the work of the of the people from Argentina
0: And of course, the new president, who has promised to rip it all up and start again, well, he wasn't going to follow the rules.
2: Breaking with tradition, he decided that he would not address Congress itself within the building. He would step outside and talk to the people, to the crowd. So he turned his back to Congress and to the lawmakers in what was interpreted as a bit of a snub to the old traditional politicians here and by some to Argentina's democracy, and instead looked out onto this sea of people and spoke to his supporters.
0: The Guardian's Tom Phillips was in Buenos Aires to report on the ceremony and the dawn of a new, chilling era in Argentinian politics.
2: It was a strange guest list. So there were many prominent representatives of the global far-right movement, foremost amongst them Viktor Orban from Hungary, and the former Brazilian president, Jair Bolsonaro. There were also much more progressive politicians. Gabriel Boric from Chile was there. Um, we also had Zelinsky from Ukraine, who's flown into the region. It was an unusual mix, perhaps rather like Millet himself. And the first thing he said when he got there, Mike, was he gave us rather cheeky sort of, oh, hello, everyone, it's me. Oh, no. And everybody laughed. And he immediately won the crowd. And whatever one thinks of Millet, whatever one thinks of his policies, of his ideas, there is a part of his persona that is quite endearing and quite funny and quite, I suppose, Trumpian in a sort of horrifyingly seductive way.
0: But what does Malay stand for? And as Argentina battles one of the greatest economic crises in its history, Can he really lead the country out of despair? From The Guardian, I'm Nashin Iqbal. Today in Focus. Why Argentinians are gambling everything on Javier Malay. Tom Phillips, you're The Guardian's Latin America correspondent. You're speaking to us from Buenos Aires, where Javier Malay has been inaugurated as Argentina's 55th head of state. is fair to say that his win has stunned the world. So can you tell me who he is, where he came from? Because I've been reading some pretty salacious details.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of salacious detail. This is a man who, I think it's fair to say, nobody would ever have expected to reach the presidency. Just a couple of years ago, he was a television celebrity economist who would appear on these rather bonkers Latin American TV shows to talk about... Inflation, monetary policy and tantric sex. That's a combination. Well, indeed. And he was this very strange kind of Trump-style character who would appear on these shows, bash his critics, scream and shout and swear... And he managed to use that fame to catapult himself into Congress in 2021. And two years later, he's managed to secure the presidency. So it's a very, very strange situation. His life story is just so bizarre.
0: Colourful comes to mind, doesn't it? A lot.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, so he's apparently a massive Rolling Stones fan. He had a cover band when he was younger called Everest. He was a goalkeeper who tried to become a professional footballer for a time. He was a bit of a loner at school. He was apparently beaten by his father and earned the nickname El Loco because I think he pushed back against the bullying and the repression of his father by becoming a rather boisterous, sort of unpredictable, mercurial character. And then he goes on to train as an economist to become what he calls an anarcho-capitalist, libertarian economist. He's a dog lover. He has five gigantic cloned mastiffs named after conservative economists.
0: I've heard the first one was called Conan the Barbarian. And so it's true he spent $50,000 to clone his dead dog.
2: It seems to be. I mean, a lot of these stories about him come from an unauthorised biography, which people close to Malay I've spoken to say, you know, is full of lies and fabrications. But most people seem pretty convinced. There are stories that he communicates with the dead dog, Conan, through a medium... <laughs> And there are these other rather unusual figures around him. For example, his hairstylist, who is a cosplayer called uh, Lilia Le Mans, And she has just been elected to Congress for Millet's party. Of course
0: she has.
2: She told me that she had designed his haircut so he looked like a mix between Wolverine and Elvis Presley.
0: So rambunctious, loudmouth, TV personality invests at least part of his personality in his hair. You know, I wish this wasn't such a familiar trajectory. Tom What does he actually believe in? How would you define his politics?
2: Well, he's a libertarian economist. His plan for government is to massively slash government spending, which he blames for the massive economic crisis Argentina is facing at the moment, the worst in two decades, to close the central bank, to dollarize the economy and to, quote-unquote, exterminate inflation, which is set to hit something like 200% this year. So the symbol of Milays insurgent campaign was the chainsaw. He would appear at the rallies clutching this chainsaw. And it was designed to send a message that he would slash government spending and also bring down the traditional political establishment, which he claims to so hate. Beyond his economic policies, there are some pretty worrying and pretty radical ideas to relax gun control laws, to possibly ban abortion. During the campaign, he and his vice presidential running mate, who has worked with members of Argentina's former dictatorship, they made a point of playing down the number of people killed and disappeared by the dictatorship that ruled here from 76 to 83. Renaldo Bignone was the last de facto president of the Junta, which oversaw systematic murder, torture and kidnapping of tens of thousands of people which was hugely controversial in a country like Argentina, which has made a real point of punishing and finding out the truth about what happened in those terrible days.
0: I mean, next to that, this next question might seem frivolous, but it really isn't. It does matter because, as we've said, he's quite the picture to look at. I'd recommend anyone Google Image, you know, he's got the big lustrous hair, the shiny leather jacket, you know, a real sort of 70s TV cop kind of vibe, (laughs) you know, my kind of guy. Can you tell me why his image matters so much and how he's cultivated it?
2: I think the best description I've ever heard of him came from a Brazilian TV journalist who said he looked like a cross between Chucky, the serial killer doll, and Boris Johnson.
0: Yeah, yeah, I can see that. (laughs) I
2: think the image is important because it's been a big part of how he has managed to capture the public imagination here. He is just unforgettable, like him or loathe him. A lot of people I spoke to before the election said actually they weren't particularly interested or taken by his policies, but they just saw him as being an authentic outsider who would effectively just tear the book up and start all over again, burn the house down and rebuild. But yeah, the haircut, very, very, very important mix of Boris Johnson, Chucky, Wolverine, Elvis Presley, bit of Britpop going on there, isn't there? It's it's sort of fun and terrifying.
0: So who exactly did he appeal to and how did he run his campaign?
2: Until... Six months, eight months ago, I don't think anyone really would have thought this guy had a shot of becoming president. And then in August, to everyone's surprise, he won the primary, which is a sort of dress rehearsal for the election here. And that just sent shockwaves through the country because people suddenly realised that within a few months he actually could become president of Latin America's number three economy. On the campaign trail, he tried to position himself in a similar way to Bolsonaro in 2018 as a political outsider who'd come with his chainsaw, with his rather curious haircut. He said you know, he was going to abolish the central bank, dollarize the economy. He'd go around carrying a big picture of a dollar bill with his face printed onto it. Yeah, I mean, he's really appealed particularly to young working class men with that message. Change was his message, radical, radical change. And that is not what Argentina is probably now going to get.
0: What kind of company does he keep? I mean, where does he sit when he's compared to other populist politicians?
2: He is an admirer of Donald Trump and has becoming a friend of Brazil's former president, Jair Bolsonaro. He invited to his inauguration other members of the global far-right like Viktor Orban from Hungary. He has exchanged flattering tweets with Elon Musk. He has given interviews to Tucker Carlson.
1: We sat down with him at great length just a moment ago, here right across from the president's mansion, the pink house that he hopes to soon occupy, to find out what he's like. He didn't seem very radical.
2: He is very much part of that far-right global community.
0: And so, Tom, I mean, yes, he's won. Yes, it was a surprise, but if we drill it down How big was that victory and how have Argentinians reacted to that win?
2: It was a huge landslide victory. He won by 11 points and he did so as someone who only formally entered the world of politics two, three years ago. Although some people have pointed out that actually, in a way, it was a huge defeat for his Peronist opponent, Sergio Massa, who was in some senses the worst possible candidate because he is the outgoing finance minister. So what better opponent to have? when you are running a campaign on the idea of massive economic change at a time of huge historic economic crisis, then the Minister for the Economy, who has led the country into that situation.
0: Well, Tom, how convinced are you that Argentinians, particularly the young men who appear to have voted for him in, in large numbers, how convinced are you that they did so because they fully believe in Malay and everything he stands for? Or is it that he secured the surprise win because enough of the electorate simply fed up with everything that's on offer, and it's, it's a protest vote.
2: My sense is that, unlike Brazil 2018, where Bolsonaro was absolutely a product of this move to the right, I am not convinced that Millet is. Many of the people you talk to here who voted for him are not particularly interested in some of the culture wars issues that he and Bolsonaro and Trump preach. They just wanted change. They're so fed up with living in a country in such an economic mess Inflation that is probably going to hit 200% this year, uh, two in five people living in poverty, that they want change. I was chatting with a very talkative taxi driver yesterday and he gave me a few other colourful examples of what Millet might represent. One was... Millet is a bit like shooting yourself in the head because you've got a headache. He also said Millet was a bit like jumping off a cliff and it was just impossible to know whether you would have a soft landing or a hard landing. I
0: think your taxi driver doubles as a poet.
2: (laughs) I mean, actually, you hear pretty much the same stick from everybody you talk to here. That is how people see Millet, as a sort of factory reset, just destroy everything and start again.
0: It sounds like people are willing to submit themselves and the the country just completely falling into freefall. And you've talked about this record inflation and a dire economic situation. But can you give me a bit more of a sense, a sketch of how that situation has come to be and what it's looked like in Argentina in recent years?
2: What has made Millet's ascent possible is that for 16 of the last 20 years, Argentina's Peronist movement, which is this rather strange and very powerful left-leaning nationalist movement that was founded in the 1940s, Peronistas have been in power for 16 of the last 20 years and the economy is in a complete mess and Millet and others on the right and frankly many on the left blame that on decades of economic mismanagement, of chronic government overspending, huge subsidies, overprinting of money that has helped destroy the currency, the peso. And that has brought us to a situation today where we have one of the highest inflation rates in the world here in Argentina. So that has made Millet's job of convincing Argentinians that change is necessary much easier. One of the major factors in this election was the fact that 40% of the country is currently living in poverty.
1: Argentina is second in a World Bank ranking of countries with the highest inflation. It hit almost 109% last month. In this sort of environment, paying for everyday needs becomes a huge problem for people and running a business
2: extra challenging. I went before the election to visit a couple of pro-Millet activists. They had two young children and in their fridge they had, you know, half an onion, a couple of frankfurters, a couple of eggs. And that was it. Life is just such a, a relentless struggle that they had come to believe that Millet was the only solution.
0: And so, Tom, what did the other candidates do or not do? And and who are they that, in the sense that they allowed Millet the space to win?
2: The other major candidate in this election was Sergio Massa, who was the economy minister. Massa tried to pitch the election as a choice between democracy and dictatorship. He tried to say that Millet was a Bolsonaro-style authoritarian, would-be dictator, whose attempts to downplay the crimes of Argentina's dictatorship suggested that he would seek some kind of authoritarian power himself. And voters here just did not buy it. People are just sick to the back teeth and they want something different. They're well aware, I think, that that might involve pain, social turmoil, economic turmoil, possibly even hyperinflation, uh, violence, frankly, because Argentina is a country with a very politicised population, with powerful and committed social movements that will get out onto the streets. So it's a very um, uncertain outlook. I... um, went a couple of days ago, because none of the political analysts or economic analysts seem to have a clue what is actually going to happen in Argentina. I went to see a, an astrologer.
0: <laughs> Not what I expected you to say. I thought it was going to be an absolute economic expert. But I mean, who am I to say?
2: I mean, we talked to those too, right? But given that all of them basically say the same thing at the moment, which is we are going into uncharted waters, we have no clue what is going to happen. I thought that maybe the Zodiac might help us. So I went to see a rather lovely 35-year-old progressive astrologer here in Buenos Aires. And he said, I see chaos,
1: I I fucking see chaos, yes.
2: He was also worried as a gay man because of what Millet's victory represents to the global far-right movement and to the growth of the right in Argentina. So a lot of people are worried and frankly not even sure what is gonna happen in the next couple of days, let alone the coming weeks and months.
0: So now Millet has been sworn in. What can you tell me about his economic priorities in office? What has he said that he's going to take his chainsaw to first?
2: So what Millet promised during the campaign was an extremely radical campaign of austerity, spending cuts, to close the central bank, to replace Argentina's currency, the peso, with the US dollar, and to... I quote, exterminate the cancer of inflation with those measures and others. That said, in the nearly three weeks since his election win, he seems to have backed away, or some people think he has backed away from some of the more radical plans, particularly dollarising the economy, which many mainstream economists think is actually something that would be impossible to achieve because of the dearth of dollars.
0: Can you just explain what that means a bit? What does dollarising the economy exactly look like?
2: It means getting rid of the currency, the peso, which has been massively devalued over the last couple of years and replacing it with the US dollar. So the currency that people would use officially here would be the dollar, not the peso, and that, that would cease to exist. I spoke yesterday to a congressman from Millet's party, and he said, oh, we absolutely still want to dollarize the economy to introduce the dollar, but it's going to happen much further down the track, he said. So not immediately. Some of the more extreme, unorthodox economic advisers around Millet have been jettisoned, and many people of the traditional conservative political caste that he spent so much time berating during the campaign have actually joined his administration. There are some hints that he is moderating and that some of the more radical plans will not be implemented, perhaps because he realises it would be impossible to do so.
0: So, essentially... He is this anarcho-capitalist who says he's going to inflict a hard economic shock on the country, which, you know, we've seen the results of in Chile. In fact, we've seen the results of with Liz Truss last year. But he does also have two master's degrees in economics. Tom, does that suggest in any way that actually he is competent? Does he have any credible grip on Argentina's reality?
2: His supporters and his allies would say absolutely, unlike Bolsonaro in Brazil, who frankly, never seemed to have any interest whatsoever in the economy and certainly didn't have any kind of background in economic matters or higher education. Millet is a smart guy, even if some of his ideas are rather wacky, to say the least. There has been a lot of concern in terms of the damage that his economic proposals, his most radical proposals might have. So there was a letter published on the eve of the election by more than 100 top economists warning that actually... Such policies would just exacerbate poverty, cause social instability and make Argentina an even more unequal country.
0: Well, if we take Malay at his word from what he promised in the campaign, you know, he says that everything that should be sold off will be. Everything that can be privatised should be and quickly. This kind of economic shock and the potential creation of a bloated oligarchy where people have voted against their own interests and, you know, perhaps it only really serves the very wealthy, it just... Feels a bit yikes. Tom, what can you tell me about Millet's approach to foreign policy and what he plans to do there?
2: Oh, no, it definitely feels very yikes, as you put it. I mean, I I don't know in terms of foreign policy. I mean, we've seen Millet has been in the days after his election to the US, although he met with Bill Clinton, not Donald Trump. He said during the campaign that he was immediately going to cut ties with murderous China and the corrupt and criminal leftist president of Brazil, Lula. Well, China and Brazil are Argentina's two most important trade partners. And within hours of his election, he was having friendly conversations with the Chinese ambassador and sending his incoming foreign minister to Brazil to repair ties to Lula. So I think he's going to be far less radical on the foreign policy front than many would have thought during the campaign.
0: What about in sort of social cultural terms? Like, what has he been talking about in, in those respects on the campaign trail?
2: Yeah, I mean, he's pitched himself as a conservative, as a libertarian, as someone who wants to loosen gun laws. You know, he's even considered very strange and disturbing things like legalising the sale of human organs, threatening the people around him and particularly the more radical people over the last few weeks that have apparently been given orders not to give interviews to the press because some of the things that they propose are just so outrageous that they were, <laughs> I think they were worried about losing votes. For example, one of the allies that I met, she gave an interview before the first round suggesting that men should have the right, if they um, got a woman pregnant, to disown the child if the woman then refused to terminate the pregnancy. I mean, just mind-bogglingly horrendous and bizarre, bonkers things.
0: What does he have to say about women, reproductive rights, LGBT community, indigenous people? What's Millet's take?
2: Well, on a lot of those things that we don't know. I mean, he has come out as being anti-abortion, but will he want to spend his political capital on that? I don't know. Bolsonaro was someone who always quite proudly admitted publicly to being homophobic. Millet has not done that. and He gave an interview recently where he says, I'm not a Nazi, I'm not a fascist, I'm not from the far right. And talking about gay relationships, he said, well, you know, what's the problem? If an elephant wants to have a relationship with another elephant, then as long as it's consensual relationship between two elephants, then that's fine. I mean, just...
0: Okay, interesting analogy. Um, (laughs) But nonetheless, the things that he does confess to, admit to, that he is this anarcho-capitalist, you know, line in tantric sex coaching, arguably anti-feminist, anti-state. Tom, how likely is it that he'll actually be able to manage much of what he's promised?
2: I mean, in political terms, I think he's going to struggle to get these things through Congress because he just doesn't have enough seats. He's got seven in the Senate and 38 in the lower house. Were he really to try and push for a ban on abortion, for example, to try and get that through, he would face massive, massive protests on the streets from Argentina's very active and impressive feminist movement. So I think he would really struggle. The Venezuelan former minister said to me, there's only one certainty, and that is that the next few months and years are not going to be boring.
0: Coming up. How much damage can Javier Millet really do?
1: Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, where all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Today in Focus is supported by BetterHelp. Here's a question. If you had an extra hour in your day, what would you do with it? Watch TV? Read a book? Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com/slash today in focus today to get ten percent off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com/slash today in focus.
0: Tom. Even if he's unable to completely transform Argentinian economics and society like he wants to, how much damage do you think his leadership could inflict on the country?
2: A lot of what is happening here in Argentina at the moment reminds me of what happened in Brazil in 2018 when Bolsonaro was elected to the shock of many. And I remember being asked exactly the same question in November 2018. You know, how much damage could Bolsonaro do to Brazil? Well, fast forward five years and we know the answer. Hundreds of thousands of people died because of his denialist response to the pandemic. There was a coup attempt in January. There was a real upsurge in political violence. It was a very painful and disturbing period in Brazil and created a climate of political intolerance that I think persists, unfortunately, to this day. So how much damage could Millet do? I think similar things could happen here already in the last couple of weeks. One of the progressive politicians I've been with recently has been accosted twice in the street and verbally harassed. I think we're likely to see a lot more of that, a lot more fake news, a lot more online attacks. I think politics is likely to get much more toxic. And one suspects that if Millet really does try to push ahead with some of his more radical plans for dollarization or for really massive austerity there is likely to be huge pushback on the streets. And that, particularly when you have a right-wing government with some very hard-line people in the security apparatus, risks violence and, frankly, blood on the streets.
0: And what about the ripple effect, if any? Like, how do you think this might affect other countries in the region?
2: It's a definite boost for the far right. Bolsonaro has been here for the inauguration. He's been on radio trying to reinvigorate his political career, which has been in the doldrums since he lost power to the left-wing Lula last year. Members of the far-right in the U.S. have also been engaging with Millet coming down here because they see it, I think, as a way of showing their strength ahead of the election in the U.S. next year. A
1: very special congratulations to Javier Millet on a great race for president of Argentina. The whole world was watching and I am very proud of you. You will turn your country around and truly make Argentina great again. Congratulations.
2: Even if many Argentinian voters did not vote for Millet because of his far-right policies, it is a definite boost to that movement. And therefore, I think worrying, not just for Argentina, but for us all.
0: There's no shortage of these sort of hyper-conservative former TV personalities with big, empty promises. Do you think he'll even go the distance? Will he complete this full term?
2: I don't think anyone has the answer. Not even, unfortunately, my astrologer friend.
0: I was going to say, back to the astrologer.
2: (laughs) I mean, so um, we spoke to another astrologer who's sort of a massive celebrity here in Argentina. They really like astrology here, which is part of the reason for doing the story. She studies the Chinese zodiac and she told me that Millet, who is uh, 53, is, according to the Chinese zodiac, a metal dog. And we are entering the dragon year And that is his complementary opposite. And according to this astrologer, that means that 2024 could either be the best year or the worst year of Millet's life, which I think Ah. just about sums up how most people feel. here. And even the congressman I spoke to from Millet's own party said, yeah, look, Argentina is in the intensive care unit at the moment. We're trying to get it out. But it was quite possible that the patient got worse before they got better. And I think many people wonder whether the patient is likely to get better at all or actually just the country lurching into yet another period of massive economic instability, which will translate on a human level into real distress and suffering for many millions of families who are already facing really, really hard times.
0: Tom, thanks so much for talking to me. Thank you. That was The Guardian's Latin America correspondent, Tom Phillips. Do read his coverage of the inauguration and the mood in Argentina, including that interview with the astrologer, which is titled I See Chaos. Argentina waits to see if stars align under Javier Millet. All at theguardian.com. That's it for today. I'm Nasheen Iqbal, and this episode was produced by Ned Carter-Miles. Sound design is by Rudy Zagadlo. The executive producer was Huma Khalili. We're back again tomorrow.
1: That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the
2: ads. Join us today during the Jeep celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe.